It was 5 a.m. on a Thursday morning, and Dr. Angie Feige and her team were at the bedside of an elderly man. The alarms from the cardiac monitor clanged in the background as the team desperately looked for evidence of life. The patient's body heaved with the rhythm of CPR. Nurses stood in line, ready to assume compressions, a physically demanding task when done correctly. A respiratory therapist was breathing for the patient by pushing oxygen from the resuscitation bag into the patient's lungs. The pharmacist prepared drugs that might help restore life. Meanwhile, a nurse kept record of the events helping the team stay organized amid the chaos. Suddenly, I've got a pulse. The alarms from the cardiac monitor silenced as the heartbeat fell into a reassuring rhythm. Let's check a blood pressure. It was low, but life-sustaining. The patient was responding to treatment and began to take breaths on his own. Unbeknownst to Angie and her team, while they were working tirelessly to restore their patient's life, Angie's daughter, 19-year-old Rachel, lay dying. and thanks for joining. My name is Georgia, and I want to welcome you here to Safe Tea. Our mission is to spill the tea about what life is really like after high school. Do not be fooled by the word safe in our title. These episodes will not be lectures or public service announcements. The goal is to have real-life students share their stories about college and have honest conversations about the issues you and your peers are facing. Leaving home for the first time is exhilarating. It's a time for self-discovery. We're not going to tell you not to party or experiment. We're going to keep it real. And by doing that, we hope to be able to answer questions that you and your friends actually want help with. We also hope to share some stories that will make you laugh and cry along the way. Today's story is going to be a sad one. We're going to tell you the story of Rachel Feige, to whom this podcast is dedicated. Because Rachel is the reason for our program, we're going to tell her story over two episodes. This first episode will give you an idea of who Rachel was and tell you the tragic events that happened during her first week at college. The second episode will tell you the rest of the story. Enough with the intro, let's meet Rachel. I have a best friend and a best mommy. Her name is Angie. (laughs) Rachel was born on July 15th, the beautiful blonde-haired daughter of Rick and Angie Feige, and the younger sister of Jeremy Feige. Rachel was raised in the small community of Zionsville, Indiana, a suburb of Indianapolis. Rachel was best known for sporting her side ponytails and wearing her Chuck Taylors. Her vivacious personality was demonstrated by the hot pink walls that she picked for her bedroom and the elaborate earrings she wore every day. In these opening episodes, we have with us some of Rachel's closest friends to share her story. There's Hannah, Laura, Mary, Sammy, Srisha, Sarah, and Annie. Let's start with Laura. So how did you know Rachel? Um, I met Rachel in first grade when I first moved here from New Jersey. Um, She lived right behind me. And so basically like a week after moving in, we kind of just became best friends and spent every day together. Laura went on to graduate from high school early and Rachel went on to be part of the core four, along with Srisha, Hannah, and Mary. These four friends did everything together. Core four, Mary, what was that about? It was kind of funny, core four, it started our, our senior year pretty much. We just, 
don't know, people just kind of started calling us that because we just all rolled around together and um, I know it stuck, obviously, and we we loved it, definitely lived in it, and yeah. <laughs> I love that, core four. You guys sound like a really solid group. But Rachel also had friends beyond just high school, friends she had met from around the state through her love for soccer. Rachel was an avid soccer player. She was born into a soccer family. Her father, Rick, was extremely involved in Indiana youth soccer. Rick and Rachel's brother, Jeremy, were soccer coaches and all three were involved in setting up soccer programs in underserved communities. Rachel played on club teams as well. Annie and Sammy both played soccer with Rachel for years. Girls, you wanna tell me a little bit about those times? We were teammates and we were friends and our whole team just got along incredibly well. So we not only spent that time on the field, but any time we had outside of school and soccer, we spent together. So um, just a big group of us. Um, Rachel and I grew up playing soccer together. And uh, we played together for a lot of years. Rachel was, she's hilarious. She um, was always the first person to make everyone smile at practice. She was the one that made everyone get in trouble for laughing too much while the coach was trying to make us be serious or we would always be giggling while we were supposed to be serious and doing sprints and there was never a day that if I came to practice really upset or if I came to a game really upset um, and I had a conversation with Rachel or hung out with Rachel there was never a time where I left practice upset I was always in a good mood. Rachel had an easygoing way about her that endeared her to friends from all aspects of her life. Laura, how do you remember your friendship with Rachel? Um, Rachel was crazy. Um, she was the most fun person to be around. Um, you always were laughing when she was around. She just showed up at our back door and would just walk in, um, wouldn't even knock. And so we'd just kind of hang out and I don't know, she was just so much fun to be around. Like, I just always was laughing, even if we were fighting. Like, she would just start making me laugh and it was always fun together. Sarah, what about you? What do you remember? Rachel was an amazing girl. Um, she kind of just, she'd put a smile on your face whenever you needed it. Um, she'd make you laugh either by something she did or like even just her laugh would make you laugh. And that's one of the things I loved the most about her was it just always seemed like she was happy and so it put you in a happy mood. Shresha, what kind of friend was Rachel? What do you remember? Um, I would say that Rachel is the kind of friend that you go to when you're really upset. She was always in such a good mood and could make you laugh about literally anything. And she was also probably my biggest supporter. She was genuinely happy for you if something was going well for you and was so encouraging if you were upset. Like she was always there to talk to, always there when you needed her. Um, she was definitely the kind of friend that you would want to keep around because she loved the people that were close to her and genuinely cared for them. It wasn't someone that was, she was never fake, always had your back. Like if anyone ever said something about you, you know, like I was never worried that Rachel would be talking bad about me. I knew that if something were to happen, she would always take my side and be a loyal friend to me. Sounds like she was a fiercely loyal friend to say the least. I'm looking at her pictures, I can see that she had a genuine smile that could really light up a room. Um, Rachel was just the most like, lively person I've ever met. She had like a smile that would just like, you know. Um, I learned a lot from her to be 
so carefree and to not sweat the small things. Um, she definitely like lived by that and cared a lot about other people. Rachel's passions span more than just soccer. She was a sucker for furry friends and spent time volunteering at an animal shelter with her friend Laura. She also had a soft spot for kids with disabilities in high school and was an active member of Best Buddies. In high school, Rachel and I decided to take a class called Peer. That class was, I always just considered it like getting your feet wet and learning about special education and, and teaching. You got to interact with our special needs classmates on a day-to-day -day basis. We got to do community outings with them and just build some really, really strong relationships. Rachel and I, we ate lunch together every day and we noticed one of our peer classmates was sitting alone at a table. And Rachel being the bubbly, outgoing, goofy girl that she was, she wanted everyone included and we decided to get up together and we invited the classmate to come sit with us and eat lunch that day. And then the next day, that student was sitting by themselves again, so we invited them over to sit with us again, big smile on their face, they came and joined us. And then finally after that, a couple days later, that student stopped going to sit by themselves and they started joining our table every day. And then some of our other peer classmates started joining too. We had this massive lunch table combined with everyone that you could think of. And, and one of the peer classmates actually who joined our table a little bit later asked Rachel and I if we could walk her to her music class after lunch every day. And so Rachel and I would walk her to her class. The three of us would just walk down the hallway and the two of them would goof off and I would just be in tears laughing. It was just the most fun. So when I think back to high school, like that's kind of one of the really special memories I have is Rachel just being involved with best buddies and peer and, you know, all the amazing things she took part in. Rachel graduated from Zionsville High School with honors. The time after graduation was filled with warm days and lazy evenings as Rachel spent one last summer with her friends. Going to college was going to be hard as her core group of best friends would be separated for the first time. But Rachel was thrilled about the opportunity to attend Indiana University. True to her big heart, Rachel wanted to go into a healthcare field where she could help others, nursing or possibly even med school like her mom. On August 21st, Rachel and her mom packed up and drove to Bloomington where she would begin her college career. However, Rachel's first week was anything other than anticipated. Well, we sort of thought it was the usual thing. We got in the car, drove down to Bloomington, set up her dorm room, bought all of her books, and Rachel was meticulously organized. She went and color-coded all of her books and her folders and her calendars so she would know exactly what book went with what folder, with what class she had to attend. Uh, we then walked her first day of class so she knew exactly where to go, wouldn't be late for class, and unfortunately I had to go back to work that night, so I went ahead and drove back to Indianapolis. That's Rachel's mom, Angie Feige. And so the next day, uh, Rick, her dad, went down to Bloomington and set up her bank account so she had money in her account and had lunch. He gave her one last kiss and she headed off to the dorm with that huge smile of hers on her face. Uh, I went on to work and then later that night, Rachel texted me and said she was going to head out to a party. And I really wasn't too worried about it. I knew she would be with her best friends. She was with a safe group. Um, so at 11 p.m. I texted her and said, be careful, honey. Stay in a pack and I love you. And Rachel replied back, love you too, mom. And that was the last text message I ever received. Mary, you were at that party with Rachel. What do you remember? I remember that night so clearly. 
We were so excited getting ready with each other to go out, you know, listening to music. We were meeting each other's like new friends we had already made in the dorm and just excited to really start the next journey and chapter. Um, we had always told each other though, when we go out, we go out together and we don't leave each other. We want to stay with each other and kind of uh, watch out for each other too. But um, I think us going to this party with mostly all people from our high school, we felt safe. This is probably the safest place we'd feel starting um, to go out in college and I think created a false sense of safety in the end of it, which is a very unfortunate thing. Um, but we went there and all of our friends were there. We were having the best time. And, um, and no one ever tells you when it's gonna be the last time you see your best friend, but that was the last time I ever got to see her, the real her in person. Sometime around midnight, Rachel lost her footing as she walked down a steep, rickety staircase in the dated house some upperclassmen from Zionsville had rented for the school year. Rachel hit her head when she fell. She was dazed, but managed to get up, and one of her friends had her lay down on the couch while the party went on. Partygoers continued to check on her throughout the night. At 6 a.m., someone checked on Rachel again. This time, she was blue and lifeless. She did not move when they tried to wake her and they realized that Rachel wasn't breathing. Someone called 911 and EMS and police arrived at the house. Rachel's heart had stopped. Medics worked feverishly to restart her heart and they transported her to a nearby hospital. In the emergency department, Rachel's heart was restarted, but then stopped again three more times. So I was just finishing up my shift at the hospital when I got a page to call down to Bloomington Hospital. Um, when I called, uh, the nursing staff said that Rachel was there in the emergency room but wouldn't really tell me what had happened. Um, for some reason, I asked if she was on a ventilator. They said yes. And for some reason I asked, have she been in cardiac arrest? And they said yes. So I was finally able to speak to the doctor down there and decided we needed to move her to a higher level of care and I got into doctor mode. I arranged for her to be airlifted up to Indianapolis and arranged for bed in ICU and asked some of my neurosurgery colleagues to be on standby when she arrived. Um, and then as I drove down to Bloomington, I called Mary multiple times. Uh, Mary didn't understand why I was calling and then I had to tell her that Rachel was dying. When I got to the hospital, Rachel just looked like she was asleep. She was just as beautiful as ever. Um, so I went to her and lifted up her eyes and could see that her pupils were fixed and dilated, which I knew was a very ominous sign. Um, what ensued then were multiple brain scans and an EEG that indicated that she had no brain activity and was in fact brain dead. Uh, shortly thereafter, her heart and lungs began to fail, and it was very difficult to keep her heart beating. Soon, the news spread to Rachel's friends, who were in colleges scattered through the state. The text spread like wildfire. People were in disbelief. How could this happen, especially to Rachel? Mary was the first to find out. 
The girl that found her in the morning called me and said that she had a fall. So obviously I went to the hospital as soon as I could and um, met Mrs. Feige there. And it was, I didn't really know what to expect because Mrs. Feige told me to come say goodbye. And I didn't really, I thought she was going home, just how you know, maybe like had a bad fall. But I didn't realize I was like permanently gonna be saying goodbye to my best friend. And it was just definitely something that I was not ready for nor would I ever be ready for, but it was easily the worst day of my life. It didn't take long for the core four to find out the horrifying news. The core four had just become the core three. So it was my first week of classes at Ball State, and I was sitting in my sociology class, and Mary had been texting me, um, hey, like, you need to answer your phone. Um, you just need to answer your phone, Things, something's wrong. And I was like, okay, so I immediately go out of my class. And she told me that I needed to come down to Bloomington because Rachel was dying. And immediately, in my head, I'm like, this can't be real. It kind of seemed just like a blur and a, like a terrible dream. Um, so from there, me and a good friend, Julia, got in our car, drove to Zionsville. Um, and then we all drove down to Bloomington together. And the whole time, like, I remember, like, specifically, like, at a stoplight, looking at this family that I'm just like, they're so happy. And, like, this day is just like my whole world got flipped upside down. And then we got to the hospital, and then I saw her there, just looking just beautiful as ever, but just not there anymore. At this point, I, did, like, I was a freshman, I didn't even have a car, I hadn't even finished my first week of classes, and so my neighbor, who's a year older than me, came to my dorm, emailed all my teachers for me for that day, and then drove me home because my parents were actually leaving for India that day, and so they were already gone when I had gotten home, and so I met up with Hannah, and we drove to the hospital together, and I think walking into the hospital and seeing Mary, and then we just broke down to tears is when I understood for sure that, like, I had come to the hospital to say goodbye to Rachel. Soon, all of Rachel's friends were making their way to Bloomington to say their last goodbyes. Annie, how did you feel when you heard the news? My mom got a phone call, because all moms are friends too, and she basically told me that Rachel didn't make it, and um, that that was it, and I just remember going limp and just falling to the ground right in front of the health center and it, I mean, it was just horrible. It was crippling and just something that I wouldn't want anyone to ever have to go through, especially my mom being right there. I mean, I was just thinking of her too. Like I wouldn't want my mom to ever have to go through something like that. Doctors were finally able to stabilize Rachel enough to be able to harvest her organs for donation a final act of generosity and kindness in her last moments. That was so much how Rachel lived her life. It was just surreal, like I was watching this horror movie, only I was in it. Um, the pain is beyond words. I could not believe this was happening. It was now 3 a.m. Rick, Jeremy, and Angie followed the nurses as they rolled Rachel down the long, empty hallways that lead from the ICU to the operating room where the organ donation team stood waiting in full scrub attire, ready to harvest her organs. The double doors leading to the OR 
swung open, and Rachel disappeared behind them as they slowly closed. And that was it. That was the last time I ever got to see Rachel. Although that was the last time her family got to see her, it was hardly the end of Rachel's story. Safe Tea is brought to you by Rachel's First Week. Executive producer, Mike Wilson from Airborne. Engineering by Ben Vodder. And audio from FME Studios. And a very special thanks to Health Initiatives for their sponsorship of this podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of Safe Tea. And be sure you tell all your friends to subscribe as well. Don't forget to go to our website at rachelsfirstweek.org where you can find out more about Rachel's First Week and Safe Tea. Remember, Rachel is spelled with an A. R-A-C-H-A-E-L. While there, check out Rachel's Heroes Gallery, dedicated to students who have done the right thing when it all hits the fan. And show us some love on social media. We'll see you next time.